When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I think you know who I'm here with. Who? <laughs> I'm here with Surprise, Nick. Surprise, it's me. Never replaced. Occasionally filled in for never replaced. I do believe that counts as replacing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but if I say it really nice, it seems way different. No, no, it doesn't. I believe our listeners are intelligent enough to have for sugarcoating. <laughs> you can get rid of so me like an old you rug. Been... So how have you been the last few days? Um, I have been in awe of how small this world is. So for those of you that don't know that listen, Mike and I live about a half an hour apart in different cities, towns, small towns. And I recently had catered a big event in his town last Saturday. Well, last night at my day job, if you will, I was out getting a cup of water and then I hear this, hey, I know you. And I turn around because I generally get those types of phrases on a regular basis. Grew up in this town for my whole life. I'm used to people saying they know me. Well, turns out this lady is a member of the Chamber of Durand and lives in Flushing and was at the event on Saturday and also had on more than one occasion stopped to chat with me while we were working that event. I had honestly no idea what her name was. I now know her name is Yunan. It was just kind of funny how small this world is. That kind of stuff can happen the more and more, especially with your business, because you're dealing with large groups on a regular basis. I think that's going to happen to you a lot more than you think. So when I started working at the catering company in 2018, I expected it to happen way more than it actually did. I was like, I know everybody. I've been living in Genesee County and hanging out in Shawasin, Saginaw counties for years. I, I should know everyone. This is going to be a breeze. And then in the two and a half years I was there, I probably only ran into like five or six people that I knew. And that's, I mean, that's it. So I didn't really expect it. And then as time has went on since I started this company, it's happened a lot more than it ever did at Black Forest. A lot more. Um, even I helped out with a bereavement. Now, I'm not, I wouldn't consider this catering. I wasn't paid to do this. I just went up to make a pan of potatoes and hung out and helped out. And, you know, as I'm sitting there preparing the food, a buddy of mine walks in since high school. It turns out they were cousins and I had no idea. And so I ended up hanging out with him while, I, you know, well, he hung out with me while I cooked the food and stuff. And then we got to catch up and it was a real nice time. Nice. That's cool. That's. I think it's really one of the advantages when you work in large groups like that all over the place. You get to run into people you may not have seen on a regular basis. It is definitely and a pleasant can, surprise when it happens. I, on the other hand, this week have done a little bit of reflecting on how life has changed. So I used to like football. I used to really enjoy the sport of football. Uh, Nick is laughing. (laughs) He's laughing right now because I was more like a football rain man. And I, there was very few things I couldn't just rattle off the top of my head. And I realized yesterday that I did not know it was draft day until my phone told me. And that's how things have changed so much. I was busy because for those of you who, who are on the pages for greening, and dabble and and these other ones that i run 
Ace here in town put their fire truck, their 1941 restored fire truck up for sale to donate the proceeds to Edible Landscape. I completely miss this this sporting event that I would usually have planned parties around and weeks and weeks in advance worked on it and worked on it. Completely missed it. Completely didn't even realize it was happening because I was celebrating that fire truck sold yesterday at about seven o'clock for over $5,000. The Edible Landscape Project is getting a five, well, $5,025 check in donation from Ace Hardware here in town. So needless to what you're Needless to say, you're going to be funded for a little while. Yeah, I think we're going to be just fine. Well, on top of the fact that I believe the Yvonne that you're talking about that you ran into in Montrose is from Blackmore Row Insurance here in town, and they donated $450 to the Edible Landscape Um, Project. I don't know. I never actually asked her where she worked or what kind of business that she ran. Um, Her name was Yvonne Ryan. She's a sweet woman. Very nice. Oh, absolutely. And she likes her sea barbecue chicken wings. <laughs> so we not only have the city funding, it was just about doubled by Yvonne and Blackmore Row. And on top of that, this massive donation from Ace Hardware. So yes, the Edible Landscape Project is good for the foreseeable future, considering I already have about 100 to 150 plants still alive and growing at Dabble. And in two more weeks, I'll start another 200. Yeah, I would say that I think, well, what did you estimate it at? Like your actual cost when you're doing it out of pocket, if if there were no donations, there was no budget. If you were the budget, what's it, like three to $500 a year? I mean, it's not horribly expensive. It's not that much. If you bought all the plants, it could be that. If you grow from seed from last year, mm-hmm. then you have a couple of bags of soil, maybe some nutrient. Now, Stomping Grounds, the coffee shop here in town, is saving all of their eggshells and coffee grounds so that we can put them in back into the grounds. So that's going to help us in these gravel pits that we're growing in. So that has no cost for a nutrient. It's just the soil or and or dirt and nutrient to grow the plants. We did we would have to get probably a hundred to two hundred dollars in like tomato cages and racking and things for for plants yeah. to grow up. But that's, that's kind really of what I was referring it. to. That was what I was referring to because you generally start the plants yourself. You don't really buy them a whole lot. You save seeds, you germinate them, that kind of stuff. And I know you do that. So I think last time when you were when you were buying things, that's what you were buying were tomato cages and soil and there was something else. I can't remember what it was. Well, and there was a a few small containers, but we've started collecting plastic containers. Everybody's bringing us, you know, their the butter containers and all that stuff. So it might look a little funny when I bring all the plants out because they're in sour cream and butter containers and all these reusing plastics. (laughs) Use it up. I mean, it was made, right? So a lot of times I'll just drill some holes in the bottom of them, set them in larger plastic tubs, put water in the tubs. And it will just draw up what it needs. It wicks. So, no, that's why I just realized that my life has changed so dramatically that the one thing that I used to pay so close attention to and was, like, known for knowing far too much of, I didn't even know 
happen until halfway through it. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to you got to put into perspective. You're at a different place in life. You didn't actually like your life back then. That football was your escape. I mean, you weren't happy. You were stuck in a dead end sales job where you made a good living. But I mean, you, we all know how much you love Sprint. Right. <laughs> Yeah, working in wireless or in retail was definitely challenging. I liked building the teams, but I did not like doing the jobs. And football gave me an opportunity to play with numbers and be able to figure things out before other people figured things out. So it became fun. But it was just a weird reflection today or yesterday that I was so into all of these programs that we're doing and all of these things that we're accomplishing that I completely have set aside the old hobbies. And it's it's just an interesting thing. That's an awesome thing, though. So anyways, this week, this comes from one of those like little thought experiments. It was every once in a while, I'll sit down and just kind of think some things through when I see it happen. And I realized that society, being a commercial consumer-based society, we have actual social peer pressures to waste. We have reasoning set. We have people who it's second nature. No, you just throw that away. Oh, you don't need to keep that. You can get rid of it. And if you don't get rid of things like my sour cream containers or my butter containers, Mm -hmm. there's this social stigma to be, I don't know how, how to say it, like a good enough person or a wealthy enough person to throw them away. Like throwing something away in some cases, is a status symbol. And that's what I started thinking about. I don't know if I look at it as a status symbol. Well, I just if you keep things, people think you're being, quote unquote, poor or frugal, and you may not have the money to buy other things. That Tupperware is the great example. And I know I'm using a brand name and not what it is, storage containers that I use butter containers and all these ones that we save throughout the time. Even so, occasional lunch meat containers have the reusables. But if you use those, it's not nearly as as a status in your kitchen as a nice set that all matches and you own all the lids and everything is still there. I think you're confusing a status symbol with someone's insecurity. Possibly, people but it is. You're going to find peer pressure, though. You're going to find people he, saying, throw that away. You want this. People. Well, OK, uh, to be fair, peer pressure generally comes from your close circles because they're the ones that are that feel open enough to give you their opinion or their thoughts or try to impress their beliefs onto you, because that's generally how social dialogue works. But also, um, I think that most people don't really care about status as much as they don't like the idea of what it feels like to be poor or when they, they make a, a comfortable enough living and something has a blemish then I just want to get a new one. I don't like it because it's not pretty anymore. But also, I, I want to tiptoe around the other side of this. We don't live in a culture where things are easily repairable anymore, where it really, to some degree, is just easier to get a new one because something isn't working the way it's intended than to get it fixed. I have a very expensive coffee maker that I am currently experiencing that with. It's it's a Ninja coffee bar. It's like the big one. So it's like $400. It doesn't mm-hmm. work. It stopped working. So normally, hit the power button. Um, keep in mind, it's it's mostly plastic. It's not like it's well made, but you hit the power button, turns on, you choose your setting, you put your coffee cup on, hit the button, and then it, it heats up. And then about five seconds later, it goes beep, 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 and turns off. It used to do that when it needed to be cleaned, and the clean light will come on. Well, I, I've cleaned it, I flushed it, and it, nothing is working. It, it'll brew like a mouthful of coffee, just enough to make you angry. <clears throat> 
And so you have to push the button like 16 times, like stand there and just hold it to get a cup of coffee. So I thought, I'm just going to take it apart. It's probably clogged up. You know, I have, I have well water, hard water. It's probably just needs more than a, a rinse of a descaling solution. So I figured I would take it apart and take a little uh, like pipe cleaner and clean out the tubes and stuff. And I flip it over and it has a screw head I've never seen before. Like okay. Ever. So I know that I do not possess the tool to take this apart and fix it right now, which not that I can't get the tool. I haven't found it yet, but I'm sure if I look online a little harder, I'll find it. And I can order it. But for the average person, and I consider myself the average person, that's a lot of hassle to get a cup of coffee. When you can go buy a brand new whole machine, not the same machine, but if you just want coffee, you can buy a whole new coffee maker at Walmart for $29.99. Right. It'll probably cost me close to that to get the screwdriver. So I think that a lot of it is fueled. A lot of this, this, uh, this commercialism, this, this consumer push and, and movement towards uh, disposable life is is kind of empowered by the notion that things aren't easily repairable anymore, and well, they're not well built. And that is for some of them, and I can see your point there because sometimes you just don't either quote you don't have the time to fix it, but you still want the coffee you know, or you don't have the know-how to fix it and you either have to hire someone to do it or you have to get start over. But I have a good example and hopefully Jamie doesn't beat me up because <laughs> it, it, it includes her, but there's twice now and I'm sure there's other times, but I have always kept whatever I could find as, as my storage containers, as everybody here is well aware. Jamie has a shirt, makes, makes fun of that about the butter containers. But also, I used to keep a cupboard of food I didn't like, canned foods and things that I just, I don't like to eat, but I would if I didn't have anything else. And the the comment that she made was, is we're adults now, we're, you know, we're adults with decent jobs, we should have nice things. Right, get rid of the food, we don't need to save that anymore, donate it, get, you know, get rid of it. And the And for the storage containers... I keep almost plugging Tupperware. Uh, that was her thing. That's an adult thing for her. We should throw all these out, get one good brand new set. And that's not my, that's not the way I do things, but that's the mindset she had. To her, this matching brand new set was a, a move from a kid to adulthood. To me, it's just another set of containers that were purchased, you know, because I can put them still in my butter containers. But that's mm -hmm. that mindset. That mindset was she's moving from kid to adulthood because of this nice matching brand new purchase set when it does the exact same thing as all of my mismatched, wore out containers from other things we've bought. I so I I I have a lot to say. I, I don't know where to start. I'll start with this. I think that the the, the true Best explanation of adulthood, I can say this. Is you, she's half right. You you get to be an adult. You live your own life, parent bills. You can do whatever you want. The trick is, and this is what they don't they don't sell you in the manual when, when everyone's telling you, when you grow up, you can do what you want and live your own life and you're having to pay your own bills. The only difference between being a kid and being an adult, I mean, really, I, when I say kid, I don't mean infant, but I mean like a 17, 18-year-old, is that one person is almost an adult and they do what they want and, and they don't know any better. The other person is an adult and could do what they want, but they know better. And, and, and what I mean is you, there is something to be said about holding back and about self-control and self-reliance and, and realizing that I could just go spend all this money and do this, but I actually need it for other things. And so you don't always just use that disposable income to do that. Now, for me, I'm not going to lie. There 
is a set of storage containers. I won't use the T word at Sam's Club that I absolutely love. I love them. When when my grandmother passed away, we had gotten some from her and I didn't know where they came from. They were just really great storage containers. And then mm-hmm. we were in Sam's one day, I seen them. I'm like, oh, this is where she bought them. And they're fantastic for plastic. I, I don't generally like plastic, but they have this uh, this insulated vacuum like i don't want to call it vacuum but it's a rubber seal around the lid it works very similar to how my hot boxes work for catering okay. like it's they're very insulated and so when you push the top down it presses all the excess air out and then they lock in place so the food will stay good a tremendously long time in those containers if at appropriate temperatures like way longer than it would like a sour cream container or like a co-op container but you know when you have what you have you should use it and it's not like they're really gonna go bad i mean if you put spaghetti in like a co-op container it's gonna stain orange if you have them use them and and we do we have we have a lot of mixed match containers in in the house still no the only frustrating part mike i will say is that sometimes you can't find the right lid drives me crazy yeah we have i think the world has there's somewhere there's a ton of lids and socks a whole nother planet where they all go and and live a happy mismatched life. Now I will tell you that like the Tupperware or see I went straight to that again. <laughs> you did the T word. Uh, the Cool Whip style containers, the butter containers. Over time, those do wear out. So what I do is just use them as a planter afterwards because if it cracks, that's called drainage. You know, so <laughs> it gets another life. And once it's so fragile, it can't do that anymore. It just does get it gets thrown away. Mm-hmm. unless i can find another use which i can't always do and by the way i never actually stated what this episode's about but i'm pretty sure everybody's getting it by now but it's that social peer pressure to waste to to waste more than we need to and i there's a lot of different ways we have that sign that jameson made me for the front yard that says don't mind the weeds where we're feeding the bees that we stole from facebook and every year i stick it out there and what it does is it stops the peer pressure from all my neighbors to cut my lawn because that's well, another that's a thing we, we we have these peer pressures of you know rake those leaves cut that lawn everything must be manicured i put a sign out this that basically says i'm not going to <laughs> well i think that i think that there's this one of situations where peer pressure is conformity you know like take lawns for example a lot of people most homeowners are borderline like obsessed or if at the very least very concerned with the look of their street because they don't want their home value to go down now unless you're looking to move that is irrelevant to any other part of your life i'm not going to get into a big speech about this how i think that whole system is uh, outdated and ridiculous but mm-hmm. we could do an episode on that i would love to have that conversation <laughs> we um, probably will so if you have your house and your weeds you have dandelions growing it and, and to be fair those kinds of weeds are some of the first like you know nutrients that the bees can use to you know start their their year off and and make their babies and their delicious honey and it's i love it i actually think dandelions are quite cute and they're delicious and they put nutrient back into the ground well, yeah, any, anything that grows kind of does. I mean, it's you're just going to mow it eventually, and then, and then it's going to you know decay. It's going to get down unless you're bagging it. Like We have a compost pile that gets added to every year here, so it's not really always going back into the ground where it comes from. But other than that, I don't know. I, I think that the, the conformity or the need to, or if nothing else, people's fear that you're going to lower their property value is part of that social pressure because they want your property to look nice. Uh, another a- area where I don't know if I'd call it social pressure, but it's definitely a societal thing or vehicles. My God, our vehicles are ridiculous. The moment you buy a new one, it devalues so much and they're pushing you to buy another one. And 
I don't understand, and this is quite honestly partially ignorance because I don't have the finances to do this. I don't understand the need or desire to buy a new car and then two years later the trade and then the two years later the trade and then like why? What are you gaining by? You are you have a constant revolving super expensive payment. Like and you want to spend five to seven hundred dollars a month every month for the rest of your life. Good for you. Well, and don't get me wrong. I fall into these traps on a pretty regular basis. And the more I see them, the more I make adjustments. The reason why when, when the dealership purchased my truck for basically what I paid for it. Yeah, it's a whole nother ball game too. Um, that, I, that I released this one was because it has an end date. So my goal from this point on is to fulfill this, this lease and then just go buy something for me. I don't go very far anymore. So... I can greatly reduce my cost. Yeah, you know, I've already told Jamie, you know, my plans. And it, I think people do that when they have the right, when they have an acceptable set of finances because it has a warranty. And that warranty carries the length of the vehicle. But a lot of it is I the feel, the I have something new. It's that shiny. How many times have you met someone who is exceptionally successful and wealthy and then they pull up in an old beater and everybody's just confused? That's part of the reason why they're wealthy. <laughs> That's part of the reason why they're doing well is because they have kept that old vehicle for a long period of time and kept it in running condition. And it is social pressures, the lease system designed to swap them out, which what does that do? It keeps production running. It keeps vehicles coming out of the plant for all the new ones that people need for when they swap out every two to three years. And now they're even swapping them out every year. Well, you know? I think there's been a certain demographic that swapped about every year for generations and like i said i'm not in that financial bracket i don't make that much money i'm happy when i have something that you turn the key and it starts well, um, it's, it's not just the cars either that can be shown for people who buy trailers all the time or motorcycles or four-wheelers or boats all the toys because a lot of times i know a ton of people who have bought toys and never really used them you know everybody has one i want one i went and got one it's sitting here i've used it three times my friends moved away and now i don't play with it well yeah i think a lot of people do they buy something based on what they want or what they think they want but they don't look at it with the practicality of whether you're gonna have time to actually enjoy it now i'm not gonna lie i am not exempt from that i mean i'm exempt from the buying portion but there are things i'd like to have there there are certain cars i do want to own i do but i don't have time or the money but time to really enjoy that kind of thing like i would love to have you know an old 70s muscle car i would I, I i love the way they look i love the sound of the way they feel they're easy to work on i can manage that i don't have to go and get a scanner and hook it up and need a bunch of electronic parts i don't understand my hands fit under the hood i, I mean, even being a i know i'm a big guy but like i don't have the fattest hands i cannot work on my van i can't do it Mm -hmm. my hands do not fit in between the side of the motor and the side of the van i can work on my dodge my truck just <laughs> fine i would like to have stuff like that but if i did if if, if i dropped twenty thousand dollars tomorrow and went and bought a chevelle or you know that's not gonna a nova because it's not gonna you know, buy a chevelle when do i have time to go drive it around and enjoy it i don't right so there'll be no point in me doing it well it's the same like I told you I have fallen into the traps with the vehicles, but there's also the house side. Jamie and I are, are now actively looking to stay within Duran, the city of Duran, but we're looking for like a ranch home, a smaller home where, yes, everybody can still be there. 
because we have five people in the family, but we want to shrink the overall footprint. <laughs> you you say that like there's going to be an, an assumption that someone's getting voted off the island. Like, yes, we're all going to stay here. Like, Well, no, I, Aiden's almost <laughs> to the point where he's going to be leaving here soon. He's going to run off to college, you know. And as, as that's, that kind of stuff happens, the household does shrink. But our idea is we want to shrink the footprint. We want to be able to go from 2,200 square feet, which is far too much, down to a, a more reliable, you know, more manageable thousand or twelve hundred square feet. Because once all the littles are gone, it's going to get really small. Even if we stay around here for a while, we'll shrink yet again. We're working our way slowly to tiny house living. <laughs> Just but we got to we got to work our way down to it. Plus, you got to get rid of a lot of things each and every time you take a step back. So or step down. But that's so even a guy like myself who spends a lot of time talking about sustainability and all these factors that normal life and all these other uh, suggestions around me lead me to these kinds of problems. we, we, We can fix more things that are broken. A lot of times if we open them up, it's not made with voodoo. It's usually a quite simple item. Like when you take that cover off of that coffee maker. You're going to see that it's maybe, you know, two boards, uh, an LED screen, power supply, very, very primitive on the inside. No, I know. I understand how they're built. It's it's it's, it's two boards. Um, one runs the thermostat for the heating element and the one is your digital stuff. I understand all that. I just don't have the, I can't I don't have the tool to open it and I can't get it easily. But in most cases, people go, well, broken. Not for a $400 coffee maker. (laughs) Well, we always talk about tools and replacement of things. Well, now Blaine and I, Blaine being like one of my best friends, we don't buy any tool until we've checked with each other. Because it used to be. I wanted to own them all kind of thing. Jamie Jamie wanted to own them all. It was, if we don't have it, don't borrow it. We can have our very own. But in most of the cases, those tools get used two, three, four times max in their whole life, depending on what the tool is. That, so that's relevant to almost every part of life. Every, every type of, like area, whether it be the kitchen or the garage or your your lawn maintenance, you say tool. That's a very you know it's 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 a wide ranging word. So I agree and I disagree. I have this conversation at least once a month with my wife because I own tons of things in the kitchen that I hardly ever use. But no one else that I know, except for maybe our sister, would have half the stuff that I have, and I don't want to have to buy it every time I need it. Well, and I think that's where other things come into play. The world is shifting to a rent process. You know, right now you can actually take your vehicle and put it on a website and lease it out to other folks. You could take your campers and put it on a website and lease it out to other folks so that other people are making your payment while they're renting it. Or in the other side, you're renting for your need. So let's say for at some point I worked at Dabble and that was it. I could rent a car when I needed a car because I can walk to dabble, but people can rent out anything now. Well, I mean, I think that really that business model really started with the explosion of the Airbnb, the, the bed and breakfasts. They used to be that a bed and breakfast was some cute little alternative to hotels, but you was really weary, you know, trying one out because it's someone's house and it's not nationally regulated, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like this. 
it's it's the first choice to most people. That's what they'd rather stay at. They don't want to stay at a hotel. Our uh, our friend Annette has got a cabin up north. I think it's in Hastings. Not 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 Hastings. I said up north. Um, I think it's up towards the bridge. I'm not really sure where, but she rents it at Airbnb all the time. In fact, I think it pretty much pays for itself because of that. You know, they bought it some years ago. They use it two or three times a year. They hard, I mean, as far as a, a living quarter goes, it hardly gets used, but they rent it out almost every single week when it's when it's warm outside. And that system so. is going to reduce waste. This rental system in large cities, when it comes to like tools, like power tools, for example, mm-hmm. uh, there's tool libraries where you can just go check one out. You are part of a club, maybe you spend 20 bucks a a month being part of this club and you can walk in and check out tools, use them, check them back in. You know, and I wouldn't be opposed to doing stuff like that in my industry. I think that if there was a company that rented out hot boxes and large pieces of kitchen equipment that, that aren't so large, not like ovens, but like, okay, so I have an immersion blender, a really small one. And it's great for making dressings and sauces here at the house. I would never use it in a restaurant because it's not big enough. But when I worked at this place in Frankenwood, we had one that was the size of the of a jackhammer. When it was assembled, it was about four and a half feet tall. It took two hands to operate. It was huge. You used it to mix things. And well, I think the smallest bin you could use it in was like a five-gallon bucket. And then it, your sizes just went up. Those brand new are thousands of dollars. I would love to have one, but I would never, ever use it. Like, ever. I would never have a reason to have it. Right, you'd be hoarding or collecting. (laughs) Yeah, so it'd be one of those instances where if I did find myself in a moment where I need it, I'd love to have a place to go rep. Well, the so the peer pressure side happens in so many different aspects. Now, that's not peer pressure for you because it's just something you would like to have because you're you're a fan of your industry and it's a tool of that industry. Just like a carpenter wanting to collect every tool that a carpenter could use. I got it yesterday, grocery shopping. I was picking up some produce and a lady was like, the bags are over there because I was putting a romaine lettuce in the the, the seat portion of a shopping cart, a couple mm-hmm. of cucumbers, stuff like that, just sitting in there. And I just said, thank you, but I, I'll just leave them in here. And she's like, well, they got to be in a bag. And I said, when I pay for them, they'll put them in a bag. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, but she was very... No, you got to take that bag, put these in that bag because I forgot my nuts. I usually have my hemp nuts that I put everything in. Well, she was confused. Yeah. And, uh, you know, no, the cucumbers have a skin. The lettuce gets washed. It's perfectly fine. When I get to the end, they'll put them in a bag. But that's a peer pressure to waste a product. Grab that just so that that I feel because my instinct was I better grab a bag. And it took me a moment to stop and go, "Eh, I don't need a bag. Before I just kept, you know, no, thank you. Have a great day and keep going. But it was that little bit there for a moment that would have led. Then we get to the register and, then, you know, you have a bag of apples per se. Well, would you like these bagged? No, they're in a bag. The potatoes come through. Would you like these bagged? No, they're in a bag. <laughs> you know, I don't need a bag within a bag. My absolute favorite one is when they want, they ask you to bag things that aren't necessarily in bags, but like, look at look a gallon of milk that has a jug. It's a plastic jug. It has a handle. Yeah. The bag actually hinders your ability to carry it because generally the bag can't support the weight of the jug. So if you try to bag it in a plastic little nasty bag, good chance it's going to rip and you're going to lose your gallon of milk. And and there's almost a stigma to not doing it. It's, oh, you must be one of those people kind of feeling. Anything that goes against the grain is met with skepticism and sarcasm. And it's not even necessarily met with that in a negative like way it's just when someone does something different people don't understand it 
they just kind of look at them cockeyed. Uh, I, I usually say things like people fear what they don't understand, but not in this instance. It's not like they're afraid that you don't want to use the bag. They just don't understand where I get the absolute opposite reaction. I don't like because I'm a clumsy person. And I, I, a lot of the times when I'm buying produce at the grocery store, there are things that are so small, like, like limes and lemons that could fall through the cracks mm-hmm. uh, on the cart. I'll put everything in one bag. I'll grab one bag and throw Tulipane, everything for Pico goes in a bag. It's like onion, tomato, everything's in one bag. And so I get to the register, I just watch them roll their eyes as they take things out to scan each individual item because they have barcodes. <laughs> but I don't need eight bags for eight pieces of produce when I only have one or two of each. And, you know, if I wanted 10 pounds of tomatoes, maybe I would have bagged it. But right. I, I got one, I got one tomato, got two limes, two lemons, one jalapeno. Like it's not like I need a whole slew of bags for a few items. Right. And that's why I like those hemp nets. It's they're easy to use They're You can hook them on the sides of the cart. There's, and you just pour them out, let them ring them up, put them back in there. And I didn't have to waste anything. A couple of things that are peer pressure driven that I've noticed, one of them being smartphones. There's a tremendous amount of energy put into wireless devices. Uh, the embodied energy, the the precious metals, all these things. There are times where the the one you have works just fine, but the new one came out. Let's use the Apple example. Every time a new Apple one comes out and this one is slightly different than the other one, people run out, buy the new one uh, every couple of years. So I'm going to sound like a, I'm a conspiracy theorist on this. I truly believe when it comes to, it started with computers, but I truly believe with anything digital that receives regular updates, I do believe that when it gets old enough for the company believes it's time for a new one, they, they have an update installed that throttles back the functionality of the of the, the item because I will have a cell phone for two or three years and it works just fine. And then all of a sudden, it just doesn't. I'll set it back to factory reset everything. And the moment it gets the new update, it's slow and sluggish. It doesn't function the way it's supposed to. Even to a point where the camera stops taking pictures of the resolution that it's designed to take. Now, I sound crazy when I say that, but I do believe it's something that they've been doing for a long time that just makes you go get a new one to spend money. The phone I'm holding right now is $1,000. Why in God's green earth am I holding a phone that's more expensive than almost every vehicle I've ever owned? And yes, I drive junkers, but they they, they run, so oh well. <laughs> like, my point is, is that I the last three smartphones I had, I had for a year, year and a half, and they were great, and they were awesome, until all of a sudden, one day they weren't. Wipe all the apps off them, completely, I mean, completely clean them, make sure everything's perfect on there, needs to be updated, boom, doesn't work, it's crap. So it's well, slow. Well, and you don't have to call yourself a conspiracy theorist, because Apple was caught doing that. They got caught purposely reducing the speeds, re- making them less effective than than the newer ones. So that is not a conspiracy. That happened. Mm. <laughs> so. Well, I don't find, I don't feel quite as crazy, but I mean, it's just it's frustrating. And honestly, I'm not surprised for as expensive as they are. And they don't. And if you look at the new the new new models now, they don't even let you really buy them now. It's like, oh, you can lease this one. So now you got to pay hundreds of dollars to get a phone that you're still going to pay on every month. Like, what does that even make? Does it make any sense? Like, why? Just let me buy the phone. Let's get it. Let's get upgrades and allow it to function the way it works until it absolutely can't function anymore. And then design a useful recycling process to get those precious metals back out of it. Well, we talked about creating a upgradable system creating an upgradable electronic base back in season two Mm -hmm. and in the long run that is that is gonna have to be where it's at is this ability to 
upgrade the physical unit you already have. Increase memory, maybe change a screen if it, if the resolution is that dramatically different. But use the same frame, use the same parts, change a speaker, and be able to use those other parts as warranty products for everybody else. Using them until they're no longer usable, and then those companies have to recycle them and reuse those same nutrients or those same pieces to create new stuff. It becomes a, a feedstock. That's how it's going to have to be at some point. But now there's people that the phone works perfectly well. You know, I, you and I may have other experiences. I had the same thing with my last Android device. It worked. It worked well. And then all of a sudden it sounded like it had a blown speaker. I don't listen to music. I don't play anything loud. Then it was rebooting on its own. And it had a, and I still kept it another year. I fought it for another year, even with the poor quality. Yes, there might be some market-driven. And you know what? Market-driven waste happens every day. They make things cheap enough to throw away. They expect people to throw it away. There's planned obsolescence where a product is supposed to survive past its warranty and not much further. They mm-hmm. des- designed to fail, to, you know. After that, I still find it weird that hey, you, you know, h- how many times have you seen a friend who still has an old phone, and we're all together at a place, and they're like, "You still have that old thing," and everybody just kind of picks on them. That's that social pressure to upgrade. That's that social pressure to take something that works for them, get rid of it, and get something that is more within the circle of people. You tend to see that more with um, young people versus old people because old people get a phone they like and they stick to it until it doesn't work at all. The one instance that I have found that I that completely matches what you're saying is Isaac. You know Isaac. Mm-hmm. From as long as I can remember, Isaac has always ordered phones from other countries over in Europe and stuff. Because, A, they were way further than ours were, technologically speaking, but they were built better. And he had them for years, like mm-hmm. for like a decade, until our technology would finally catch up, and then he'd switch over. But he always said, I, I had that conversation with him countless times. Like, I can't believe you still have that thing. And he goes, still faster than yours. well we do the same thing with home improvements you go into a house like oh my goodness your carpet is out of date it it, but but it works it's fine that person isn't bothered by it but enough people will get on them until they finally get the new carpet and everybody cheers but that just created waste no one cheers for carpet don't don't pay don't paint that line michael (laughs) okay some home improvement that makes everybody happy because they've improved it but Uh a shark tank shark tanks do that um shark tank that was not on my list yeah well you know i i have seen a few places like with heather's grandparents i'm like oh my god you still have one of these and it's like an old old freezer or like an old fridge for like the 50s it's the most like t- in terms of technology like it's not efficient at all the kind that raises there on the back of your neck but <laughs> Uh, I'll just be, it's not like a peer pressure thing. I'm just impressed that it still works. And the conversation is always the same. Well, when you buy something, you take care of it. It lasts. And that's just, they're not wrong. Right. And I think it's a plus. I like seeing old technology that still works. I've got a thing for kitchen mixers, like old school ones. I love them. You're going to start a a museum someday of the evolution of kitchen mixers. No, don't, don't, don't give my, don't give me ideas. My wife will probably slap you for saying that around (laughs) me. She, I have, I have like six or seven of them. Well, I also found that there's certain waste that happens with the mentality that people get as you age. I see it more and more. 
basically i lived this long i get to do what i want you know i earned it i get to waste just like the people before me i get to you know throw things away and not have to worry about it because i'm 60 the answer is i'm old i've earned it i get to waste as much as i want just like everybody else which is to me so annoying (laughs) That is one of the more annoying answers that just because in the 80s, everybody threw everything away doesn't mean you've earned the right to to do the same. But that that mentality is more than you think, or I deserve this newer vehicle every every two years or whatever it happens to be. That's just a like a lack of thought process. That's a lack of do I need, you know, it's just I don't really I don't have a great explanation. I just it puts the hair on the back of my neck like your freezer does. Well, it's not, it's a feeling of, of um, entitlement and want, or it's not need. It's no one in this, like almost no one in, in at least the towns we live in operate on a need basis. It's a want basis. This is a consumer driven economy. It's a consumer driven like um, country. Like there's, we don't, if we operated on a, on a need versus wants, we wouldn't, this podcast wouldn't have to exist. Right. I, older folks just, I mean, people are the way they are. There's no, you can't tell, you can't tell someone they're wrong. That's the best way I can say this. You can, you can tell them to your blue in the face. Uh, a guy I used to work with would just go, man, you can't tell adults they're wrong. What he really meant was you can, you can talk to your blue in the face. You can't make them listen or understand. They have to do that on their own. So you may find it very annoying and you may dislike it. And I may completely agree with you. At the end of the day, they're going to be the way they are. And until something relevant to them, you know, creates epiphany, gets that light bulb moment that nothing's going to change. Unfortunately. (laughs) So this, this, this part that I've written here for the show kind of feeds into your conspiracy thing. uh, Cause I didn't know it would happen. So, you know, Before I do a show, I start researching. I pull up the computer and I start reading. Sometimes studies, sometimes just articles. But I start pulling information from the internet to fill gaps that maybe things have changed since I've been in college. So I typed in things we replace before we need to into Google. And the idea of looking at things that can be... It's going to show me things that are easily repairable, things that aren't necessarily broke, or things that we always swap out for cosmetic reasons. Here was the results. I'm going to give you the top four results on Google that were not the ads. I skipped down below the ads. you said you Googled things that are replaced before they're needed to? Yep. Okay, so cars, phones, computers, wives. (laughs) That's only for some people. Um, (laughs) Here's the headlines. On the top four of my Google search, okay? okay. Yeah. Tw- 20 items you should replace more than you think was the very first thing that popped up. That is the opposite of what you searched. <laughs> Number two, 55 <laughs> items you should probably replace right away. Number three, 12 household items that you should be replacing regularly. The algorithm does not like you. <laughs> Number four, nine household items you need to replace regularly. Those were the first four on the search when That's, I type that in. Okay, so just for, for S&Gs, did you open one to see if any of them were actually useful? Or is it all like propaganda trying to get you to spend money? It was all things about, oh, this this container has these certain lids and they can hold bacteria. And if not cleaned correctly, you should, you know, it can make you very sick. So it's best to replace them this often. Oh, I hate the plastic bubble argument. <laughs> there is a ton of it. One of them is 55 things you should be probably replace right away. 
Okay, I'm a, I'm gonna have one thing to say about the the bacteria thing. And that was CNET. We're humans. We have an antibody system that needs to be tested. Otherwise, everything will make us sick. If we get sick, we'll die. The whole point of our immune system is that stupid little things like bacteria in containers, and it, it sounds gross, but hear me out on this. Bacteria exists in way more places than you think it does. Like yeah, in I can your mouth and in your well, stomach. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yes, all that. People shouldn't have to be told that. They should know. But, like, the average person probably cleans their refrigerator. How many people clean the rubber seal around the door? Right. Oh, they don't. Okay, we'll start there. How many people, oh, look, I'm going to wipe off the, 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 the vent of um, my air conditioner. Do they ever pop off the plastic thing where the air comes out, where all the condensation sits? No. Right. I mean, it's stupid little things like bacteria is in our lives. Like that's what those little things, those little antigens, if you will, whatever you want to call them are coming into your body and in contact with you on a regular basis. They are, they are the reason that you don't get sick the way you do. Now, take all that, and we're going to use it. We're going to tell everyone that's a bad thing, not nature. And we're going to use it to sell storage containers. Right. Or HEPA filters, vacuums. I can tell you that I checked two pages. The first two pages, because I, I very rarely go to a third page. I'm not sure why Google wants to give you 17,000 pages of search results. I, uh, very few people go past page one or page two. Zero articles zero pieces of information came across on my search that were relevant to my request i even rechanged I, I jostled the words around and searched again i searched because i know sometimes verbiage matters but i could not get <laughs> google to tell me what not to buy it the only way that I think you would ever get anything close to that would be to put them in uh, quotations so they search for exactly those words. But more often than not, Google would probably tell you it couldn't find any anything to help, like any search results, which when you can get Google to say that, like that's impressive. But um, yeah, you're right. There's thousands of responses to anything you type in Google, and it, it's bore. It, it people say it's impressive, and they're like, oh my god. But like really, like who goes past page one? Who? Like, unless I'm looking for specific information, I mean, really specific information, I'm, I go through like maybe three or four of the top. I've been through maybe six pages one day looking for a specific person. I worked for a guy years ago and I wanted to find him. So I hunted his LinkedIn down like a stalker. But other than that, I never go past page one, ever. Right. And for me, my attempt to say, what do I not have to replace was met with hundreds of items I need to replace at this <laughs> very moment. Even has the fear, like the, the almost like a news headline in your article, things that you should be replacing immediately. You know, <laughs> it's just uh, to create the anxiety. Oh my goodness, that Tupperware in the fridge is going to kill me. You know, it's this whole... I was surprised that I did not expect in the research. I did not expect that I couldn't find the things. So I had to go through each individual thing on my own. I had to look at the things that they told me should be replaced immediately and to see, guess what? This article is exactly what we're talking about. It is the peer pressure telling us and selling us on getting rid of perfectly good items. Because here's another thing about your, your, your storage containers and your plates and your cups and all these things. They go into a dishwasher quite often and you can sanitize. Well, you, so, I mean, the whole idea is they're not really recyclable. So, they, I mean, they're all plastic. Mm -hmm. So you can, but that's not brought up in those articles. Those are, these are the, you must replace it now. So that is, this, it ends up being exactly what I was talking about just on the other side. I'm not surprised. I'm saddened to hear that. I mean, it's not like, it's not really much of a shocker. It's just, uh, yeah. 
It's it was very disheartening to see. But anyways, so if, I'm sure listeners have things out there that they know they've had peer pressure on you know, to to either buy when they don't necessarily need it or throw away, even though they they can keep it and use it another day. I guarantee every person has their own. Tell it to us. Put it on the website. Go to greenyourlife.org. When this episode comes out underneath it, tell us in the comments. What are the things that you've been, in a, in a sense, peer pressured or at least socially pushed towards wasting or buying when you didn't have to, which is wasting? What are those things? Put them on there. Let us know, because <laughs> apparently that's the research I'm going to have to have for the next version of this episode a year from now, because Googling is just going to tell me more things to buy. Apparently. Right. So that's all we had for you this week. I hope you liked this episode. If you did, share it with a friend or on social media. Other ways you can support realistic sustainability. You've heard us scream poverty today. You could always donate a dollar a month up to $12 a year. It's actually slightly less because it's 99 cents, but you can do that at our anchor hosting site just by searching realistic sustainability or go to greeningyourlife.org forward slash podcast. If you can't do that, that's perfectly fine. Leave us a five-star review. Actually, at this moment, that's what I prefer. We haven't had any new reviews in far too long. I'm sad. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Click a like, click, throw in a comment, tell us something about the show. At least it tells the algorithm that you're listening and that you are interactive. Thank you again so much for listening. And we only get together uh, each week to get a little bit better. Little bit, little bit, well, big bit. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we will see you next week. What's going on, everybody? My name is Rob, and I'm the host of The Curated Culture, a weekly podcast dedicated to dissecting the latest and greatest news from around the world of tech and pop culture. Now, we all know the internet can be a busy, noisy place, so let us calm that noise for you. Join us as we discuss the latest and greatest topics from the people and sources that matter most. Check us out every Thursday as we jump into fresh, original content, new interviews, and a host of other subjects that we know you'll find interesting. So jump in whatever your favorite podcast app is and search The Curated Culture. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And in the meantime, we'll catch y'all on the air.